Hang on, this is too weird. Right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the Midnight Show, a place about games, friends getting better, and podcasting from hotel rooms during GDC 2023. My name is Ben Hansen, and I'm joined by Imran Khan, who has not blinked yet. Oh. Well, making up for dude. last time. Yeah. Um, better tech setup than last time? This is better, yeah. We are not passing around the phone. Uh, <laughs> we're not just like the. The one thing we are missing in a hotel room is that we're not getting people who are like just walking by and pretending not to look at us. No, no, no. Randy Pitchford is at the door. Yeah. He actually might be. Who knows? We might have a special guest coming later. Is it Randy Pitchford? You tell me, world. Um, we're also joined by Kelsey Lewis. Hi. I've never done this in person. Is that right? Yeah. Why would I have ever done it in person? Podcast? I guess that's well, okay. true. Well, okay, a very long time ago I did my own podcast in person, but, like, I've not, I mean, this is this is a professional one. Are you seeing this set up? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks for being here. It's nice to see you. Uh, the Indian former, Jill Grote. That's me. Welcome. Uh, thank you. I am glad to be in this hotel room with all of you. Honestly, I don't want to get sappy out of the gate. Oh. I was thinking about it as I was, like, Harassing all, all of you, like, hey, you come to the hotel and then you gotta walk 20 minutes and then come up here. And I was like, I'm so thankful that three smart people are willing to come do this. Like, cause if I'm just sitting here by myself, it's bad content, man. Um, Imran, I wanna focus on you. Okay. Because, um, I, maybe I missed this, cause I haven't really been on Twitter lately, cause I'm smart and I read books. I don't, but I missed, like, your whole title change and what you're doing now with your life. Cause you still have the Patreon. Yes. I still have the Patreon, proscons.com. Which is P R O S E K H A N S. Yeah. A thing that, like, when I decide, the thing about wordplay is, mm-hmm. you never think like you have to say it out loud, yeah. and then nobody right. knows what it means when you say it out loud. You have to have a catchy thing like min max with two N's. Yes. Like, you have to be able to, to shorten <laughs> it that yes. much. So, pros and cons, but con like. It's P R O S E, pros, yeah. as in like writing. Oh, that's tough, yeah. And cons, K H A N S, which is my last name. Right. Floral, for some reason. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. It is someone says it on Twitter. I'm like, oh, that's smart and clever. And I just used it. Right. Yeah. Right. But so I have that Patreon. Uh, as you remember, I got laid off roughly six months ago to the day. Oh, wow. Uh, I was in Tokyo and I woke up, tweeted about it. It took a bath and I was like, all right, whatever. I'll figure something out. <laughs> and uh, so a, somebody DM me, someone who like, followed me on Twitter. I was like, hey, do you want to come to TGS and talk? Like, sure. I don't know what this is about, but uh, all right, I'll, I'll talk to anyone at this point. Yeah. So I took the train an hour up to Chiba and, like, did the, or met this person and we talked a little, little bit. I did not realize at the time that was the job interview, but, like, Ooh, that's good. Oh, that's yeah. So we were just talking and then, like, uh, so, like, yeah, if I have some time, I'll, I'll maybe I'll come to your party later or whatever. Uh, and, didn't, <laughs> and then I talked to the CEO on Zoom uh, a couple of days later when I got home. Uh, they offered me the job, that interview, and I was like, hey, I'm going to propose to my girlfriend, like, in two days. Can I just leave this thought for a little bit? Like, can I just think about it for a while? Yeah. They're like, fine, sure. Don't worry about it. So, yeah. Basically, within a day of getting laid off, I got a new job, and I still got my old severance. So, essentially, they just paid me a bunch of money to leave and then get more paid somewhere else. And so what are you doing? I am the head of U.S. public relations for a Japanese VR company called My Dearest. My we have dearest. we have a... Uh, it, what, it's, it's a PSVR 2 launch game, so it's called Discronia, Kronos Alternate, which is 
They want me to sell it on it's a very long game, and I keep saying no. That's not a selling game. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a detective noir sci-fi like anime VR game. Okay, nice. Yeah. So hey, like, congrats. It, thank you. Doing it, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we should probably explain like where we are and what's going on and all this stuff. Um, if you're not familiar with GDC, which you know it's easy to be in a little game industry bubble and be like, well, GDC, GDC, blah 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 blah. I would guess, what do you think, 60% of people don't know what GDC yeah, is that yeah. are listening to this? And all the trade stuff is, I mean, it's, it's obscure. And even less than that, know about, like, DICE. And, I mean, it starts getting, like, once you start getting into the trade shows as opposed to the E3s and the PAX. Right, and stuff, yeah. right. So it's the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco. And game developers come from all over the world to walk around Moscone Center and go to a bunch of panels. But it turns out also just it's a time for meetings, and it's kind of... Yeah. Feels like another opportunity, like with E3, especially dwindling a little, dwindling a little bit. It's like, hey, if you want to find a publisher for your game, you want to find a new tool base, yada yada yada. You want to hire. It seems like GDC yeah. is a place just to wander around, yeah. and then people from the press sneak in and act confused about what to do. I I, I always felt bad as press being here. Yeah, because I felt yeah. like you're here to learn, and yet yeah. because of me, you were stuck in a hotel room, like talking or showing me your demo or whatever. It's like you should go to a panel. What? Like don't show me this game. <laughs> like go do something. And now that I'm in industry, I'm here. I'm like it's pretty nice to be in this press. I can just do whatever I wanted. Right. It is a weird feeling, especially like you know independent press, because like I talk to other people. In press all the time, uh, and everyone's like, scra- like scrambling around for headlines. Like, okay, I got too many interviews. Got to get this up. Blah 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 blah. And then like, what are you doing? What's your GDC like? And it's like, I, I'm just going to a bunch of panels and taking a bunch of dorky notes, and I'll yeah. podcast about it for Patreon supporters later, and kind of unpack everything we learned. And we all look at you and just hate. You. Yeah, well, what, the Indian former. You just have a thousand appointments. Right? I have a thousand appointments. Yeah, I I had one canceled this afternoon, and I was like. Right. <laughs> do you think you overbooked yourself? Oh, 100%. And I always do, and that's always what happens. Uh, and I try really hard to put in time for eating, but that's yeah. not always possible. Yeah. So I had a really fun uh, Twitter exchange a couple couple weeks ago, maybe last week, where one of the PR companies that I was seeing this week saw my tweet saying, like, I hope I get to eat. And they're like, what sandwich do you want? Wow. Wow. And I was that's like, nice. oh, okay. That's nice. Uh, what yeah. sandwich did you get? No, I'm curious. The Golden Gate. Ah, okay. I don't know. That, that's a sandwich everywhere? It means something different everywhere. It means something different everywhere, yeah. yeah. Uh, it has been humbling being at GC. Like, you know, even before going this year, it's like, what am I really going for? Is it worth it? And then you realize, like, oh, it's it's a little bit of just like an ego boost. Like, everyone is so nice. Mm-hmm. And it feels like, okay, this is my place. Like, I've had so many people come up to me and just be like, Min Max, your interviews, I really like your interviews. Oh my god. Well, we so lied today, like uh, somebody came up to you, it's like Min Max, right? Like it's, well, then they it, talked to you for a couple of minutes about it. Several people, and God bless their hearts, but several people come up to me like, Min Max, double find psych odyssey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I get to like post on the success of Double Find Psych Odyssey. I'm the guy who talked about that documentary that was good. And like people like recognize that, which is very surreal. So I've just been humbled and it's so sweet and everyone's so nice. So thanks everybody for saying hi. And then I made the mistake. Of I was sitting at a panel and like this is this is my secret thrill is I sit down at every panel and no matter what I just talk to the person next to me just learn like where are you from what are you doing what are you hoping to get out of this and it's always fascinating and just there are so many more people in the game industry than you would ever think of mm-hmm. like yeah. I was talking to somebody today and I was like oh where are you from and he's like ah uh, Lockheed Martin <laughs> uh, I'm just here to learn how to use Unity better it's like who would have thought that Lockheed Martin's here? yeah yeah that makes sense. Um, but so I was sitting in a panel and this guy sat down next to me. 
And uh, I was like, I was talking to some other guy, and I was like, hey, welcome, who are you here with? And he's like, uh, I'm a YouTuber, I'm a YouTuber. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then just noticed that me, the people were like hearing his voice and turning around and like start shaking his hand. Oh, and I have to like squint and look at this guy's name tag. And it was Mark Brown from Game Maker's Toolkit. Oh. And he was a rock star in a way I've never seen like before and after the panel. Multiple people came up to him like the, I think he was the director of Stray. I was like looking at his name tag and trying to see if he's like, I just want to thank you for Game Maker's Toolkit. Like I got in the industry because of you. Oh and like, God. Mark was very sweet about it, but it's just a reminder of like, okay, MinMax is so small. Like this yeah. guy yeah. is basically being lifted around and carried on a pedestal across the entire conference floor. <laughs> GDC is very good for the idea of like, Games don't come from some weird magical right. place. Right. They come from a bunch of people who know a bunch of like interesting technologies and want to try different things to make those things like work. And like I went to just an animation. I have nothing to do with animation. So but yeah. I went, went to an animation panel because like I'm I'm just curious. It's like this goes so far over my head, right. but it's cool to know that like there are these people who are tr are trading in this knowledge or these right. knowledgeable yeah. facts. About yeah. what they're doing and like, hey, what if you tried it this way? What if we like made the cat from Stray walk a little bit different? Like, that's the kind of stuff that it makes you realize, oh, there's, I don't know anything about this, but I know this other small part of making video games and all of us just kind of put our pieces together mm -hmm. and like a game comes out of it. Yeah. And, it, and it's so sweet too. Like, it melts my heart seeing, you know, God of War, Ragnarok, probably the game of the show, as confusing as it is, like they have. I think it was like 18 panels. They have a lot of panels. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. So like, you know, especially when they're uploaded and hopefully shared online publicly, this is going to be like the greatest way to learn about the making of God of War Ragnarok, right. especially since, you know, they didn't make a documentary this time and stuff. Uh, but it's just, it's amazing. It's so sweet that like, you know, the first panel I went to was all about the animation of God of War Ragnarok. And then, you know, the, the ton of fascinating things were shared. And then at the end, it was like, oh, does anybody have any questions? And just like opening the floor to like, here's one of the most like accomplished games of all time and like any game developer just come up to the mic ask any question you want and these folks will answer and share knowledge like again it's not our place not being well i guess you're in the game <laughs> developer side of things yeah. at this point you know but it's just it's so sweet right. to see and it's just it feels like a very positive college vibe which yeah. turns out we're all clawing for i feel like in a weird way <laughs> especially since uh the industry is so under other circumstances, secretive. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, that's mm -hmm. what the games industry is. It's just everything under wraps. No one can say anything. And then there's this one event for, like, the entire, like, you can go to a PAX, you can go to an E3, whatever, you see games. But, like, I feel like GDC is the only place where you feel that sort of camaraderie. Yeah. Right. It almost feels like it shouldn't exist sometimes. Because, yeah. right. I mean, the industry is so, like, you know, everything's a trade secret and like we don't want to reveal how we make things and there are some companies that do, you know, a little more, a little less of, of sharing that stuff, but it, I don't know, it's, it's weird because yeah. it just feels like everyone collectively forgets for a week that like they're not supposed to share things and then they yeah. go back to... <laughs> and, just, like, and they'll show like really <laughs> jank, you know, in development shots of the game or animations and stuff like on the projector screen and I, I've certainly got to the point of like, I don't even think I really want to take pictures of that and share it because it, it just feels like, I don't know if that's the press's place. Like, let me tweet out this jank-looking Kirby <laughs> animation. This is their time. I don't want to shame anybody. Like, it's so cool that they're so transparent. But It's a safe space for a lot of developers because, like, yeah. I was I was eating lunch. I went upstairs to where, near the, where the Kirby panel was because there were tables there. Yeah. I'm not going to eat Kirby on the floor. That's terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I, we, a guy sat next to me, and we were like, 
just talking about it. He's like, oh, that looks really, really good. Curry, and I was telling him where to get it and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, what do you do? And he's like, he looked at my media badge. I was like, yeah, I had to between two badges, industry or media, whatever. My media lets me in more places. He's like, oh, okay. I work on this game that has not been announced. There's like a major yeah. sequel to a game. That yeah. I I'm like, whoa, oh, okay, sure. All I have to do is tell so them fun. that you are also not media? Yes. Uh-huh. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing about uh, E3 for media is like you don't, or uh, GDC for media, is it is you don't spend a lot of time at GDC. You're like out sure. places. So it's a weird mix between I get a lot of meetings that are like, we're gonna meet we wanna meet with you about a game you will like, but we can't tell you anything about right, it. Right. And so and that, but that's a very good way to lure everybody in. <laughs> yeah. like, you especially, Jill, you have to see this thing. It's and right it's up like, your alley. They do you do know what my alley is. I have a brand. Yeah. Um <laughs> And then, and then there's there's that, and then there's a, another thing where you just like go to a public place, like uh, some of those tables I've had a meeting at, mm-hmm. or like in a lobby, and they just start telling you about a game that is not announced and and details you're not allowed to say, and you've got like you have to keep it under wraps. But then they're like, there's just like a family having a picnic next to you or <laughs> something, and it's right. like, oh, I the know. restaurants around here, like if you don't get oh don't get God. a GDC badge, just like go. Hang out in the restaurants and hotel bars, yes. right? People yeah. hear so much stuff. Yeah. And I'm in the camp, and maybe this is bizarre, and I apologize to all the next listeners, but like, I don't want to know secrets. Like, I, <laughs> this week I had multiple developers be like, well, let me just tell you what I'm working on. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't, I want a pure brain so I know what I can talk about and what I can't. I hate doing that. I'm like, do I know about this game? Because somebody right. told me right. behind the scenes. Like, I don't want to know any of that yes. stuff. No, Sorry. I had that in a meeting today where they're like, can I just spoil it for you? I'm like, if that's okay for me to write. And they're like, oh, but we don't want to get out. I'm like, don't tell me that. It's going to be my brain. Do you know yeah, how many no, meetings sure. I've had this GDC? Um, okay, big themes this GDC. Last year, it was definitely the... It was all NFT. Yeah. It's still there. It's still here, but now it feels a bit more like a punchline. And it's like a sweet justice of like, all right, they built it up for like another big Web3 GDC. (laughs) And then, oh, everyone's moved on to AI at this point and ChatGPT. And that's all anybody Metaverse. Just like, signs that just say Metaverse. Like, they don't actually explain right. what they are. They just say... Well, like, that's the perfect metaphor for yeah. all. I guess that's not even a metaphor. That's just literally all of Metaverse discussion. Yeah. But, uh, but it was, I mean, I guess in the big keynote, which was this morning as of the time of this recording with Tim Sweeney at Epic, still, like, the conclusion there was just, boy, Metaverse. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as far as I can see, it was like, Epic's leaning into the Metaverse, and it should be a cross-company thing. We believe in it. Thumbs up, the end. Like, it's still, like, to have somebody as big as Epic talk about the Metaverse like it's obviously the future, but then not make any clear steps other than, I guess, is the conclusion just everything that they're doing with Unreal and Fortnite and opening more user creation for Fortnite, that's just yeah. all part of the same ecosystem that'll eventually be labeled the metaverse? I The thing is, everyone who talks about the metaverse has something, like, a different definition of it. Mm-hmm. It's starting to feel like your parents are trying to spell words around you so you don't know what they're talking about, but also they don't know what they're they talking about. They have no idea. Yeah. yeah, they're spelling words in a different language. Yeah. For me, it just feels like they're playing the like the business game, and they know yeah. that the people who don't know anything about gaming or whatever hear the word metaverse, and it's like wallets open and money starts rolling. Well, I agree, but Tim Sweeney, he is the wallet. Like, why, <laughs> why is he going out there and talking about this? Other than just... I don't know. I still am a little bit confused about it. Like, it's interesting in that keynote, because he talked more about just like, oh, we want to unify more of the music stuff with, what did they buy again? Bandcamp? Is that the thing? They bought Bandcamp. Yeah. In um, Harmonix. And Harmonix. Yeah. And it's like, it seemed, he seemed to be hinting more and more towards like, oh, we want more people to have concert opportunities in the 
Fortnite metaverse, yada, yada, yada. But I, it's, it's mind boggling. But I mean, the first time that I saw a line that was around an entire building, I was like, what is this? Was, oh, it's like an AI panel. And it seems like AI is the big push. And there's always like an AI path. So you can just take like AI panels and that focus that you see. And that's always been a thing. But I think like over the last couple of months now, everyone's like, oh, AI, that's like the future. That's chat well, GPT stuff. I mean, AI, the concept of AI like predates video games. Like right. video games are AI experiments turned into games. You know, like this is what people at, at universities were like studying and like, you know, what is artificial intelligence? And oh, we can make chess. And now there's a chess right, video game. Right. So it's like, it's weird to see it become this like new thing when it has literally always existed like yeah. ai has always been a part of game development but now there's like different i don't know like generating images and generating text and all of that stuff feels like a new evolution of it and it almost feels like it's just this entirely it almost needs a different word mm-hmm. well, like, it's, like, it's like old ai of like you know how do npcs like walk in their path and that's an ai right. but then there's like this new you know predictive language right, exactly AI. yeah but there's like nothing cool about me putting like a sandwich into a microwave but if like a robot took the sandwich <laughs> from me and it was like i'll heat this up for you right. like exactly the same function that's cool though so i think that's how people <laughs> are thinking of ai it doesn't really make a fu- like functional difference it's still just like Wrapping words around the Google search, but right. it's. Right. I think people are mesmerized by the spectacle of it. Yeah. What What is your GDC like? Uh, see. Yeah. So I. I mean, I'm not media. I'm not cool like all these people here. But, <laughs> Thank uh, you for saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm here with the Video Game History Foundation, and we're. Uh, most of what we do here is like try to run into people and explain what we are and what we do, and uh, you know, if they. You know, ask them about if they uh, have any of their old development stuff. Uh, we we kind of target the old people here, like. So what is? I mean, are you walking the show floor saying, "Hey, old guy"? <laughs> I mean, we did that last year a little bit. Like, if you were standing at a booth and you looked like you'd been in the industry for a while, and uh, we that. got a couple of connections out of it and some donations and stuff. I mean, I think people like we're really still just trying to um, explain to everybody what we are and why we exist, and right. um, and we get a lot of incredibly like very good and very well-meaning people who are like, I'm at Sony, I can steal a hard drive from work and hand it to you. And it's like, <laughs> I can't do anything with that. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. That's a crime. I can't yeah. do it. I mean, I, I, it's like, I, I can't tell you to do that, but please do, but I can't do anything with it right uh-huh. now. Like, if your studio's <laughs> going down, please just try yeah. and get something. It's, it's like, if it's, if it's very modern stuff, we have a lot less uh, legal protections that archives and libraries right. enjoy. Um, if it's like, you know, a, being, a currently being sold product, we don't have a whole lot of uh, protections around that. But yeah. uh, Speaking of old timers, I was delighted, like, walking to meet y'all for lunch today. Um, I was maybe a little bit late because I walked by Dave Grossman from LucasArts. I'm yes, like, oh, I saw I, him walk by too. Did you? Oh, <laughs> fun. I was like, oh man, I gotta say hi to Dave Grossman. Like, I've never him before, but like, you know, co-lead on Day the Tentacles, a game I love and stuff, and then Monkey Island and Return to Monkey Island. Although it's like, this is like the beauty of GC is it's just like rapid fire pop quiz. How much do you really know these developers? Yeah, it's like, yeah. as I was talking to him, I was in my mind like, he worked on Return to Monkey Island, right? Yeah, yeah, he absolutely. Wait, did he not? It's like, I'm still going to go on the way to kiss his ass for Return to Monkey Island, but I'm still not exactly sure. Yeah, but. It, it is tough because I don't have, um, I don't have super great, like, face recognition. So yeah, um, I definitely do the whole, like, kind of like, yeah, badge thing. I think everyone yeah. should wear their logos higher up, you know right. what I'm saying? When it's, like, twisted around and, it, like, they're only facing the yeah. back, I'm like, yeah. mm, I think I know who you are. Yeah, but... right. And there's some, I mean, 
Look, there's a lot of people in the game industry that look alike. There's mm-hmm. a lot of everyone's got a beard and there's maybe glasses and yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So um, I I ran into uh, Dylan Cuthbert, uh, which was fun. Um, he's uh, the one of the developers on Star Fox. Right. Uh, one of the two. There's there's two British studios founded by people or studios in Japan founded by British people who worked at Nintendo. Right. And they're right next door to each other. So. Giles Goodard. Exactly. Yeah, yep, yeah. Awesome. Dylan Cuthbert's Q Games and uh, Giles is uh, too high. So. You, you're really lucky, though, because you have, like, the cool historical aspect to every pitch you have for developers. So you get to walk up to someone and be like, yeah, I'm the co-director of the Video Game History Foundation, and they can't be like, okay, that's cute. What do you want? I mean, that's like immediately, like, well, that, you have my respect now. Even somebody like Dylan Cuthbert, like, he has he has to respect you, Kelsey. Yeah. Well, we, we found one of his old demos. And like returned it to him, you know, <laughs> basically. So he, um, this is a really cool story actually. So, uh, in I don't know exactly what year, but it was before X for the Game Boy right. came out. Um, he programmed essentially like a little portfolio on a Game Boy cartridge for Argonaut to hand out at CES. So it's got, um, you know, just like a here's some 3D wireframe models on the game running on the Game Boy. Look what we can do. Here's a little like tank game in 3D on the Game Boy. Um, and, you know, they just handed it out at CES and they, you know, were, were kind of pitching it to, um, producers and stuff and like, work with us. We know how to do cool stuff. And, yeah. um, obviously Nintendo eventually picked it up and was like, yeah, you should, you should do this for us. And that became X and that became Star Fox. But, yeah. um, he hadn't seen that demo in forever because, you know, he didn't keep a copy of that. How do you all have it? Uh, a, a donor, uh, a producer who was, uh, used to be at Mindscape, um, was, got one of those at, at CES. So Wow. Yeah, we, we digitized it and sent him the the ROM and we, we have a, a thing, um this is a, a preview I guess, but we're um we're working on like a, a video where you know interviewing him about like, okay, why why did you make this? Explain what this is. Right. Like what was this for? And, he has to be so thankful, like you mean I don't have to talk about Miyamoto and Star Fox for <laughs> an interview? Like, oh, thank God. I was gonna say it's been a big five years for people finding old Dylan Cuthbert work and like releasing it. <laughs> oh, they can like stuff. Which yeah. only like yeah. two things really, Star Fox and this, but still oh, twice right. in five years. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. I had a nickel for every time. <laughs> yeah. Um we've played some games too. Uh yeah. probably I mean Jill in particular probably played way more I, than anybody else. I, here's my list. It starts there and goes there. Uh, this uh, is and infinite. It is, and it's Wednesday. Okay. <laughs> it is Wednesday. It's the time uh, what, do you, what do you think is number one most favorite thing you've played so far? I, um, there are a lot of things that are so high up on my list. I have yeah. like things written down. I think the, of the things I can talk about, I do want to say like I have things I can't talk about. But um, we don't want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> The, I played it the mix the first time that I think anyone has really been able to throw hands on, on with it was uh, Dordon, which is Dordon. Dordon, and it's I'm not saying it correctly because it's a region in France and there's a G at the end. Okay. In there. Um, but it, it's something like that. And How do you spell it? It's D O R D O G N E, Dordon. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, and it's the uh, the idea is first of all it's this absolutely beautiful watercolor um, art style like it's all watercolor and it's fantastic yeah and you are playing this character Mimi whose grandmother has passed away and you spent a summer with her and you're going back to her place to pick up a box of memories um, but there's something kind of weird and mysterious going on because you don't remember anything. 
like past like 15 and beyond you, you your whole memory is gone and you don't know why so you step into this house and the memory starts flooding back and as soon as you touch something that has like a memory you like go through this time warp really cool like again watercolor thing and then you're back to being like a child in the summer doing things and interacting with and it's this beautiful adventure game with like heart and feeling and i i can't i cannot describe how beautiful it is okay it's so fantastic and you need to have it on your radar okay <laughs> okay even if it's tough to pronounce that's the one to go to yes it is um, um but hey, can i ask you yeah that my favorite game that i played so far and i feel like a hack because it's not like a beautiful artsy game or anything <laughs> but it was also at the mix but it was just like immediate fun it's like yeah this is this is what i like from games it was called astro duel 2 oh, have you seen this i haven't it's <laughs> so all right imagine this okay imagine asteroids Okay. Four player, yep. mm -hmm. but then also there are pockets where there's a bit of a building, and you can fly your ship in there, get out of it, and then it's samurai gun inside. <laughs> but the asteroid ships are still fighting outside of it, and they can get power-ups where eventually they can like shoot through into the building as your samurai gun fighting inside of that. Mm. But it's just like good arcadey, simple fun, and I had no idea this was a thing. Like Astro Duel One came out in 2016 and looks fine. But this was like, I, I don't know. Like I felt bad because like there's so many great artistic achievements for all these games, you know, that I jumped around and played in GDC. But I was like, this is just the immediate pick up and play fun. I get right. the idea. It's a blast. And I, I'm a sucker for any game where I'm in a ship and then I can get out and I'm a little guy running around. That's just like ever since Metal Warriors and Super Nintendo. Like that is my jam. <laughs> that is just so inherently fun. But like that's the whole point of like the indie scene, right? Is right. like you've got that side of like artsy and thoughtful and pensive and whatever, and then you've got the side that's just this is just fun. Pick right. it up and and be silly and run around. Like one of my games that I really like is called I want to say it's Henry Haphead. You want to say that, or I can't remember. <laughs> it is Henry Hatfield? Yes. Thank you. Um, I can't remember. I couldn't remember. That's confusing because of Henry Hatsworth. Yeah, that's, like, that's yeah. what I was thinking yeah. too. Um, and you, for some reason, are just a, a half ahead, and you're going about your day. Which half? The top half. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can like possess items, and you're given like a list of just normal things to kind of do. Uh, so you have to. Go. You have to go to work, so you have to uh, bathe. So you have to like possess a chair to possess the sink to possess a towel, so you can get to the bath. It's like ghost. Oh, I love Geist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the genre. <laughs> and then uh, throw yourself into the bath water because you've turned on the sink because you were the sink and you could turn it on. Uh, but there's no soap, so now you have to like possess the soap and get it in there. And Perfect. Then, and it's just the silliest little thing, and it's like this is so satisfying, like physically. Like yeah. what you're describing is like those mobile phone game ads, but not the game really <laughs> like it. And just like, can you protect the king from the bathwater? I was like, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. <Not> the faucet. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Um. So that yeah, there there's just such a mixture of things to play, uh, especially at like a big event like that for indies. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are you, what are you looking for? This is probably helpful for developers too. But if you're wandering a show for like the mix, which by the way is like uh, an indie event, they have a bunch going on there, showing up a bunch of different games. Um, like when you're wandering the floor, are you checking out every single thing for the Indian former? I mean, I try to. 
Like the Indian former, I I have the benefit of it just being me, and therefore the Indian formers, whatever I find fun. <laughs> um, so a lot of times I do have things in mind, like you know there are popularity levels of indies i guess is, yeah. is a way to say it so i'm like okay i know the big ones are here i need to hit the big ones but like wandering around and seeing like i've never heard of this this looks interesting maybe something will hit and trying it out and the developers are so eager to like please oh play it please so genuinely like um henry Halfhead, the developer i was like we traded cards i was like i want to do a preview like, please, let's get in touch. Let's do something. And he was like, me? <laughs> I was like, oh, that is so sweet. Yes. And I love working with people like that. Because it's so... Because they're desperate. No. <laughs> that's why I'm here. That's right. <laughs> no, that's sweet. That's sweet. Uh, have you played anything in Rome? Uh Let's see. I played... So... At first, I I played this demo at Day of the Devs, which is Double Fine's like curated indie thing, right. called Another Crab's Treasure, which has uh-huh. been announced. It's like yeah. it's a Souls like cross with SpongeBob kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, that is so fantastic. Yeah. Good pitch. So the first time I played it, I did not like it at all, and the, I think the reason was I someone was playing the demo, they lost to the boss like fifteen times, and like the message was, "Do you want to respawn at the checkpoint or at the beginning?" I chose the beginning because I want to replay this demo. What I forgot about is that when demos do that, they don't give you tutorials again. Mm. So I went through most of that level, like, dying a lot, not really knowing what I was doing. I figured I was playing it like Dark Souls, which is somewhat correct, but not entirely correct, because they it's a very parry-heavy game, and parry has a fairly wide window. So I was just trying to dodge things and, you know, just stay out of arm's reach and made it Difficult and annoying to actually keep going forward. So I left that first demo going, like, I don't like this game. Uh, then I saw uh, George, who, like, he reps the game. He's the PR rep for the game. He says, like, this game is actually really good. Like, one of my best things that I get to keep playing this, uh, this thing. So I was like, I'll just go back tomorrow. I'll try it again. Trying it on a new demo, actually, I kind of understand what you're <laughs> going for. Yeah. I, it, is, it is a Souls-like. It is easier than most Souls-likes. I was playing it in the most frustrating way possible. Uh, the idea is you grab shells from, like, just general trash you find around, thus another crab's treasure, uh, and, like, you have a bar for your shield, but the way to, uh, if you get hit, your shield deteriorates all that breath of the wild kind of thing. Uh, but if you do parry the attack perfectly, it just bounces off and you get a full parry on, or parry combo off on the enemy. So ideally what you're trying to do is just watch them enough to know when their attacks are coming, and then parry it, and then move on. Right. And I didn't get that, and <laughs> that made it so much easier, because I didn't die the entire time of the demo until I got to the boss, and I died five times. But it's a much better game than I gave it credit for originally, which I think probably does teach me some strong lessons about judging books the first time. That's right. <laughs> that's right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> but I uh, I really enjoyed what I played that second time, nice. and I'm, I'm looking forward to... The game seemed very, very early in this demo. Still, yeah, uh, I didn't. There was not a developer around for me to ask when that game was planned. Mm-hmm. Jill, I don't know if you know, but I, I probably do off the top of my head because I did see it at Day of the Devs uh, in November of last, and I mm. talked to the devs. But off the top of my head, I can't remember. Okay, but yeah. so it's it's seems to still have a while left to go. But from what I played so far, it's like a game I am now keeping my eye on. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, I uh, I played Lies of P. Speaking of 
Souls likes mm -hmm. a little bit. Did you play Liza P? The... I stole it from you for like a second. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. <laughs> um, I I'm not. If I've played 300 hours of Bloodborne, maybe I'm able to tell you like this feels great. But like I played, I was like, it, you know, it feels like a B tier Souls like game, yeah. but still impressive. I'm curious to see if they can stick the landing. I was uh, Tamor was there from Gamespot and Giant mm -hmm. Bomb and everything, and so uh, I. For the travelogue, which, by the way, if you want to know what it's like at GDC, you all sent us. So I've been filming a travelogue and chucking my camera into people's faces, as everyone here can attest. Um, and so that'll be up on our YouTube channel soon. Anyway, so like, but when Tamora was playing it, I was like, zoomed in on his hands, zoomed in on his face. Like, all right, from software expert, do you like this? Can you tell me if this is good? And he seemed to like it. So okay. that's Liza P. If you want to see a Bloodborne Ripoff might be a strong word, uh -huh. but certainly a homework copied. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Look at the new Lords of Fallen demo. Yeah, okay. So, it, okay, that game used to be called Lords of Fallen 2. Right. Then they changed the name to The Lords of Fallen. Sure. Now they've changed it to Lords of Fallen, just straight, and they've renamed the old game to Lords of Fallen 2014. Oh, I wow. hate this. Oh but, my god. But if you look at the video, it is like straight up the hunter's garb, like all right. that stuff. It looks I remember like, it looked good in the trailer. Yeah, like, like they were showing off just you know ray tracing and stuff like like new tech stuff. Yeah. It looks very nice, but it is straight up that's just the Bloodborne Hunter. Okay, all right, that's an angle, yeah. Uh let's see, other big hits for you that you play? Um I when, uh, this is Thursday. Okay. Uh, I played Gunbrella, which Ooh, was yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, the demo wasn't much different from the demo that they had out a couple months ago. I think it's still available on Steam yeah. and stuff, too. Yeah. Um, but I did get a talk with the demos and became best friends. Oh, with the developers? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, nice. yeah, with the developers. Um, and I learned some secrets about um, some of their favorite little characters in the game. I'm really excited to kind of write that. Yeah, out. I talked to those folks too at the at the Nintendo yeah. indie thing, um, and they worked on God of Roboto before this, mm -hmm. if you remember. And then I forget the name, but they're also developers that made that physical only game. Oh, the one something. Yeah, the one that um, uh, Devolver put out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that? Oh, called? It, was a, it was a very generic name. Right, right. But it was a cool <laughs> idea, at least. But yeah, I'm definitely excited for Gumbra. This one, it looks like it controls so well. So yeah. Like, yeah, oh, it's that. smooth. That's so good. <laughs> I love it. Did um, you play uh, the Lamplighters League? I did not. Okay, Hairbrain Schemes. They're making it, and it's um, oh, early 1900s turn-based tactics. But kind of the cool thing is like between the kind of XCOM setup, uh, it's like real time and you're running location to location and then it's kind of like a stealth game in between. Hmm. So it's weird to have like the XCOM style combat, but then like over oh, in between you're kind of sneaking around and distracting guards with like multiple characters and stuff. So it's Leo Vader bait. So <laughs> if you're hearing this, Leo, uh, get ready for the lamp later as Lee. So like a Spies Inc. kind of thing? I didn't play that one, but I'll say yes. Is that, I'm not sure if it's the right title I'm thinking of, but it's, a little, it's something like that game. Okay, or... Yeah, in 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 the invisible link. Yes, yes that, that might it. be that might be yeah. it. Yeah, I didn't play the one, but I remember Oscar Walker fighting for it hard on yes. Giant Bomb. So I'll say yes, it's exactly <laughs> like that. Um, should we talk about another indie game that we've been playing a bit? Heck yeah! Heck yeah! Heck yeah. Came out this week. Uh, Chia. Woohoo! 
T-C-H-I-A, just to continue the theme of indie games being hard to spell. Um, I, I, I was going to make that joke. <laughs> I thought we were going to be the one podcast not to do it. it. I thought we could do it. We'll just cross, it. We'll cross that out. Yep, it didn't, yeah. happen. Uh, it didn't happen. It's isolated. We can just remove it. That's right. Uh, this is the game. Uh, you might remember it in every trailer they've ever shown it. They're like, this is from New Caledonia. Mm-hmm. It's inspired by an island called New Caledonia, which is a real place. Go visit it, please. I need your support. It's a cool place. <laughs> Um, we had an interview with Phil Crefo, the creative director on MinMex's channel, if you, if you checked it out a while ago. Open world game, very Breath of the Wild yes. inspired, yes. a lot of sailing, so it's easy to say it's Wind Waker inspired, but then during our interview, he's like, eh, I didn't really play Wind Waker. Like, I don't know. I just like Breath of the Wild and sailing and GTA, strangely enough. Um, but I'm only like four hours into the game or so. Like, how much have you played? I just played the demo that was at Day of the Devs. Okay, and then I finished it. You finished it? Yeah, I have a review. Up. Good lord, on the Indian Informer. That's sweet. <laughs> um, when do you sleep? Never. Okay. <laughs> I've been so tired. <laughs> it's irrelevant. Uh, okay. Well, you're the expert. What do you think of Chia? I. Ooh. Yes. Interesting. I, I'm so mixed on this game because. The thing that makes this game brilliant is just exploring yeah. and being in the world. The world is beautiful. They like you kind of joke about the New Caledonia stuff, but like it's so obvious that they really had that passion for showing off the culture. Yeah. Like every time you meet a new person or you go to a new village, like there's some sort of a musical festival or culturally rich experience that you are having even like the beginning of the game it's like within like what five ten minutes you're like sitting down with your dad and he's like playing songs and you're clapping along it just this game is one of the sweetest games i've ever seen in my life it's just bleeding heart and sincerity yes absolutely a hundred percent those things are great um going around and just like uh, one of the big things you can do is soul jump. That's yeah. that's your big power. So like just going around and finding new animals. Each animal you have like a different sort of mode of lo- locomotion. So if you're a crab, you just kind of crab. If you like, if you're a bird, you fly. Uh, if you're a shark, you swim. You know, blah blah blah. But each animal also. Well, you're saying blah blah blah, but it's like that's the coolest that's thing so in the cool. world. It's I mean, so it's amazing cool. to be able to like, so see cool. animal. It's not like it's an ability just that you unlock later in the game. It's like super early on. There's like you can just. Slow mo, look around, take control of anything, anything. and run around and cause ha- havoc. It's yeah. amazing. And every animal also has like a special ability. So, like, if you're a cat, you have night vision. If you are a boar, you can dig into the ground and find stuff. If you're a shark, you can bite people. I think I'd enjoy this just as like a sandbox. Yes. Yeah. That, is, like, that exactly. is 100%. <laughs> the problem is there's a story. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And I. I love sort of the idea and shape of it, and they get some, like, mythological things going on in there. Yeah. But then they kind of shoehorn in a, a section that just so frustrated me that is, like, combat-heavy? Mm. And this is not a combat-made game? No. It seems like early on it's just, like, you're kind of taking out bandit camps if you want yes. by, like, lighting things on fire so and like, becoming, like, a gas lamp and, like, throwing yourself at people. So like, imagine that, like, the little bandit camp, but, right. like... Five times the size and 20 enemies to take out, five piles of things to throw, and then yeah. sentries that are shooting at you. And that's all you do is pick up lamps and throw, and pick up lamps and throw. Oh, no. And, and, and you have to do this several, several times for different places that yeah. all connect to one big place where you have to do it again. And I was so frustrated that... The game that the sandbox game that I was having so much fun with and enjoying and like 
just appreciating being animals. Like suddenly, I I can't do anything with my powers. I like, yeah, that's right. So that sounds like someone played Breath of the Wild and did not understand why Eventide Island was optional. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I guess so, yeah. Or maybe it's the thought, like, well, it's a game. We've got to have some combat yeah. in there yeah. to appease some people. Right. But I, it's like, I think, I hope takeaway in the lesson is just like, no, the sandbox it is yeah. enough. It like, would have been really cool if the world game was had so just been great. like, learn the culture of New Caledonia. And like, that's that's the thing. Maybe there's some mythological stuff going on about yeah. that. But, um, but I mean, you talk about like transforming into animals, but it's so fun because you can go beyond that even. So it's like getting into yeah, gameplay yeah. where like you're climbing a tree, rocking it back and forth, and like launching yourself yeah. off it, then using the little wind waker hang glider going down, and then transforming into a giant boulder on this side of the hill and like rolling down <laughs> the giant hill as a boulder before you launch off into the sea and control anything else. Like it's one of the greatest sandboxes I've played in a long time. So it's good. it's yeah. so good. That's why it's frustrating to hear that yeah. beyond the opening hours, it can kind of get derailed if you're mean path. When I was done with that that section, I just went off and sailed and did things right. until I was like, oh, I have to finish this for a review. Um, the, but the later sections get more interesting. There's combat, but like they change things up in different ways. So like it, it, it gets better, but that section weighed everything down for me. Yeah. Um, so I ended up giving it a 7.5. 7.5. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it feels like one... Like, I know Leo Vader's red hot on it. I don't know where anybody else is. I mean, we'll talk about it next week, I'm sure. But it feels like one that some people are probably really going to be championing. Like, yes. if it clicks for you, I can see yeah. it being a lot of people's like, oh, this so, is game of the year. Yeah. Uh, on March 20th, which is this past Monday, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I at 11 a.m., after playing the demo, I texted my partner, Rebecca Valentine, who was on the Chrono Cross Deepest Dive. Quit bragging! <laughs> I, I, I texted her the sentence, Chia is a red game. Yeah. Uh, seventeen. No, two hours later, she responded, "Yes!" Exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! Yep. So yeah, exactly, exactly what I expect to happen with most people is either like this is their game or they're not. It's not. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And like, oh, the music is so good. Like the first time you get in the boat, yeah. and the music swells yeah. and you put the sail up, and like it does a really cool thing. At least I think it's cool. Maybe the pressure, but but like the the sailing sailboat raft, whatever the hell you want to call it, uh, that you're on. Like you can control the speed. Or you can steer it. And yeah. so you're kind of like running back and forth just on your little raft. Like, okay, steer it. Now I'm going to run back to that. And maybe that's annoying for folks, but I just feel like it makes you care about navigating so much more. Right. Yeah. And it's silly for me, too, but like the game has like cosmetics that you can get by picking up trinkets and right. like collectibles throughout the world. And I am just so satisfied by being able to like, I'm putting a crab on my sail because now my boat's the crab. SSR right. crab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, uh, so yeah we'll talk about it more in the future but that's yeah it demos yeah. extremely well and it's also like yeah. incredibly yes. pretty yes, yes. like yes. one yes. of the so nicest look like not technologically blows, blows anyone away i mean the lighting is actually amazing but like just pleasant looking video game like right. i could just sit there and look at it for a long time right. also and it's the classic thing of like well not, not our problem we're just playing the game but the game was made by 10 people it's yeah. an open world game made by 10 no, people it's yeah. mind-boggling yeah and the fact that for most sandboxes you have like land and then there, if there's ocean, you don't get to like explore it. The whole ocean is is a sandbox too. You just swim underneath, yeah. Yeah, and there's a whole world of things to do under there, and you can get into fish and and sea turtles and yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's How so long cool. does this take to develop? We know. Oh uh, God, they probably it? said in that interview. I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, isn't it? Like I don't know. Well, I mean, if it's Breath of the Wild inspired, you know, yeah, like right, they, it's, right. that dates it to a certain point. I'm trying to remember when the last one. That. I want to say the last game came out in 2016, and so maybe since then. But yeah, wow. it's, yeah. it's a super impressive thing. Um, let's see. There's a game that 
as of the time of this recording, hasn't been unveiled too much, although no. I'm not looking at anybody in particular. Um, but like, I've seen like whispers of this on the internet for so long, but Lego 2K Drive, like did, was there an IGN leak or something? Is that what happened? IGN broke embargo. Okay, okay. And took the story out too early. But to be fair, VGC, they also revealed that this game existed a while ago. Yeah. Uh, and said like, hey, by the way, 2K is working with Lego for making some games. So they yeah. also reported back then that Sumo Digital is making like a Lego soccer game. Yeah. Which is confusing. But then this is the different game. This is the driving game. That also probably why we haven't gotten the Lego Forza DLC. This time for around. this, yeah, yeah. they have the Hot Wheels again, but yeah, yeah. for Forza Horizon 4, they have the Lego DLC, which was really sweet. I really like that. Yeah. Um, but this is a new open world Lego game, unfortunately called Lego 2K Drive, which is just, it's <laughs> a rough name, but the game itself is cool. Like, I got to play the first, like, three to four hours of it. Full disclosure, 2K flew me out to their studio, Visual Concepts, to, to play this thing at 2K headquarters, I guess, in, in Novato. Um... But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed what I played because the secret is it's open world Mario Kart. Mm. And you play, it's like, yeah, it, this should exist. This is like <laughs> such a slam dunk if they were making the case of like, okay, it's open world Mario Kart. Probably, even though we didn't see him, probably with some microtransactions, like just absolutely all in. But like, Is it like battle mode? Kind of Mario Kart kind of thing, but enormous or uh, I mean you can. So you can play the whole thing uh, co-op if you want, like up to six players and you do get like rockets and stuff and okay. you fire at each other so it can be silly but then it'll also like load in different races and stuff and i say open world but it's more like one of those classic open regions things where there's sure. several yeah. different regions yeah, yeah. and you're jumping through so it's more segmented than you think but also it's just wild that this is visual concepts making it who's made the basketball games and they've made the wwe games recently and mm -hmm. it's like them carving out more of their staff like and now make an open world lego racing game and i mean it's coming out soon um uh, it's coming out May nineteenth, but like what I played so far is like this is this is delightful. Yeah. Like a little drink here and there, but again, pre-release, we'll see how it actually ends up. But like the the hook is like uh you get to you can build your own car. They have like a thousand different Lego pieces and you can go brick by brick and build your own car if you want. Otherwise you're just unlocking amazingly wild cars and it'll transition kind of like in Mario Kart, if you go off a jump, you get like the hang glider, you know? Like imagine that for everything where like if you go in the water, you become a boat. Uh, so if you go off road, you get like the buggy and you kind of like set which car you want for which. And it's just super wacky where early on, it's like you start out in your off road cars, just like a little four wheeler. And then the next one you get is just like a moon buggy and you're like driving that around and there's just like open world activities. It's a little Forza in that way, but yeah. it's is, super arcade and silly. Is the brick by brick thing like, can you get real weird with it? Yeah. Or, okay, cool. I, yeah, I'm I excited mean, to see what people do because I'm not patient with yeah. that. But. Right, right. Yeah, I tried just making like several pillars on my car to see how tall it could go and then I was like driving out around the world and like <laughs> knocking down the gateways that I was racing through <laughs> and it was just like blasting through it and stuff uh so I, I really enjoyed it we've uh we have a whole preview that's up on Max's YouTube channel and the bonus podcast feed where I sat down with uh uh Easy Allies Daniel Bloodworth the two of us mm -hmm. cross-pollinated the Max and Easy Allies streams just to unpack all of our thoughts on that if you want to learn more about it but it's like yeah if you like Lego Island, Lego Racer, if you're nostalgic for that stuff, it's like, yeah, it's, it's cool that, they're, that they've made this thing. But the big asterisk, of course, is 2K, you know, they're pretty heavy with the microtransactions, especially for the basketball mm -hmm. side of things. And, like, during this preview event, they're like, yeah, there's a there's a garage that's called Unky's Emporium. Uh, there's a bunch of dollar signs on it. Like, eh, don't go in that. Don't, so, <laughs> you know, if you're really worried about that, we'll see 
how hard they're throwing it in your face. In the first couple hours, at least, they weren't, like, getting to that. But imagine if they put, like, all, la- like, licensed Lego stuff yeah. as microtransactions. Like that's like, that's right for, like, a Lego Batman, Batmobile yep, kind of thing. Yep, yep. Even though it's weird with a 2K game, like, what are they going to have the licenses for compared to Warner Brothers? Because I don't know what it means for the future of, like, TT games. Yeah. You know, and Warner Brothers and their connection with Lego, because there were reports, again, from, I think, GDC that some big Lego games were canceled recently, like a Lego Disney crossover thing and then Lego Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's weird to see Lego branching out. They're making like the, those games with Apple, like Lego Builder's Journey and whatnot, and now for, for this open-world racing game. But yeah, it's coming out May 19th, and I, I'm excited to play it. It's just like, it's just good, easy game. And like, yeah. it'll be a great one just to like listen to podcasts too and just do a bunch of open-world Lego challenges. And like it, it controls well enough, you know, like I had a good time with it. I can always just a game with Lego in the title to be like, I can just turn this on and just not think for a while. Yep, yep. Oh, you're in luck, baby. This is a game for you. Um, we can talk about Dredge. Yeah, we could. Uh, I've played maybe like six hours of Dredge. I finished it. Jail! <laughs> so impressive. Or it, going up. or it might be up at, at the time of posting this. Okay, uh, you should lean in a little more, by the way. Just want uh, to hear your hot takes on Dredge. Okay. Um, now Dredge. I'm worried we gave you like bad work, like habits at Game Informer or something. <laughs> <laughs> because she's just annihilating it on her own. Actually, it was a little less. Uh, Game Informer was great. <laughs> uh, Dredge, if you don't recall, this is the indie game uh, Sarah Pazorski was really looking forward to as one of her most anticipated games of the year. Yeah. Um, For good reason. Yep. It is a fishing game <laughs> where it's also horror themed, and you kind of have Resident Evil 4 inventory yes. for your boat as you're navigating, navigating this kind of Lovecraftian world. Yes. And so, you know, we, we were playing a bunch of fishing games not so long ago for New Show Plus, and we talked about, like, God, fishing and video games, it's just perfect. Like, ridiculous fishing, you know, anything that can set up that fishing loop of, like, go out, catch stuff, upgrade your stuff, get better and better and better. Mm-hmm. It's effectively that, but it's just a really effective loop yeah. for getting you in the zone. And then the horror thing just adds, like, it's this whole narrative a context. layer on top of it. Yeah, this might be one of my favorite games of 2023. Ooh, I wow. absolutely Ooh. love this game. Nice. Uh, it, it's just what you're saying. Like, it's so incredibly engaging. You are, you just lose time. Time disappears while you're playing this game. Okay, I just need to get this much from this catch so that I can upgrade my, uh, whatever you like know like my motor. light because i'm going around at yeah. night and the fog and is just like in. going through like narrow channels in like a water canyon with just this little light and fogs coming in you know that there's monsters in the water that might be able or to not. attack you like like monsters might not exist they might all be in your head because right. what happens is when it turns dark your panic starts to rise so you start to see things that may or may not be there so like as you start to panic more and more, things like in the beginning, you just sort of see rocks that appear out of literally nowhere. And you're, you're like you, the player are sort of like, was that there before? Like, did I just miss that? Um, and it grows and grows until you've got like eyeballs looking at you, like glowing red out into the night, yeah. like giant creatures are coming in to attack your ship. When your ship is hit, it literally is a one-for-one damage, so it damages your hull, which is your inventory. So if you had something there in your inventory, it gets damaged. Which is fun, then you have, like, a red pocket in your yeah. inventory. It's like, okay, I'm trying to catch this fish, and it's kind of, like, L-shaped. Yeah. And so now to rotate in, I can only hold four instead of five because I can't quite yeah. navigate the space like for that. Like, when you catch all the fish, they're sort of tetris Right. They, they have Tetris shapes. 
So you have to make these tetra shapes fit into your boat, which is... You're talking about all this very jovially, and it sounds incredibly unpleasant. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, no, great. but it's fun, though. It's just like everything good about game and packed into so one experience. Because you're just, oh, you're so satisfied when you just get everything fit just right. There's a, like, I don't know if, turn off if you don't want spoilers, but there is, um, like, an achievement if you get everything packed in and use every single space. Ooh, like, that's oh, good. I love, I love this. Um, and oh, so good because you are on uh, originally you're just like a fisherman and you're trying to catch fish to live your life and whatever um but you run into a character that's like hey if you go do something for me like i'll help you out and 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 you get kind of sucked into doing something that you get the sense isn't great to begin with right. and more and more you realize I'm doing something very wrong. Something because everything just has this menacing tone of like, can you give me this fish? Uh, make sure not to get this one or do get this one and then it's going to start impacting the NPCs differently. Maybe don't look into the package that you're delivering. Right, right. Everything is done in a sort of um, tabletop RPG sort of narrative structure. So you like, you'll go to a point of interest or a character and like, you'll get this really beautifully narrated descriptive, um, description, I guess, on what's happening and what you see and how you feel. And like, oh, I love it so much. And like things, there are different biomes to go to and they're Mm. all cool and interesting. And you are constantly trying to get your inventory to work because you need fish, but also you get to a spot where you can start building up your ship, but you need materials for that, and you find those materials by dredging out of mm. blah, 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 they use the thing. And, and also, like, dredging and fishing, it's all, like, fun little mini-games. You know, they all have, like, a custom thing for how you're like, alright, there's a ring at the bottom of the ocean, you gotta pick it up, and this one's, like, a story quest, so, like, you have to do this really tight almost quick time event type thing of, like, okay, you have to dodge these things in a circle mm-hmm. just in order to pull this up, and, like, it's it's diabolical. It yeah. really it knows every gamer button to press in your brain. Yeah. yeah. You're constantly switching things up and doing different things. And you want to, I just need to get to here so I can do this. And I, oh, I, I'm so close to getting this now. So you just keep on playing and playing. And it, and then the, the weird story that's unfolding as you're sort of finding hints and clues as to what's actually going on in this world. Right. And like why everyone's so weird and what's happening. And it, it's a great... I've been playing on Steam Deck. If it runs well on Switch, I don't know. Like, have you been playing on Switch? I haven't games? played on Switch. Okay, but like, it's it's a great handheld game. Absolutely, it's perfect. Hundred percent. And then, like, I don't want to spoil anything about the ending, but, but. it is as satisfying and bewildering Ooh. as the rest of the game. Interesting mm-hmm. pitch. Mm-hmm. All right, I like I it. it. I love wow, it. Dredge. It's it's on everything. I think. Um, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Let me see if it's actually when the release date is, though. Do you know? I think it's March 30th. Okay. That sounds good enough for me. But yeah, Black Salt Games is the name of the developer. So, yep, shout out to them. And yeah, March 30th is when Dredge comes out. Um, Kelsey, um, this seems like a good time to talk to you about Wii U and 3DS stuff. Sure. Shutting down, because when's that coming up? That's like next week? It's pretty soon. Good um, lord. Yeah, I I didn't even know we were going to be talking about this today, but I'm yeah, let's get into it. Okay, yeah. Um so obviously that's bad, right? Like it's <laughs> We don't like <laughs> we'll get, it. We'll get that out of the way. Like it's it's bad to be losing the ability to purchase a lot of these games. Um it's it, the state of preservation, I think people don't necessarily realize how dire or like the reasons 
in which it is dire, the ways in which it is dire, because, you know, I mean, modders and, and pirates and, and, like, you know, un- underground uh, preservationists, mm-hmm. um, they've, they've scraped all this forever ago. Like, you, yeah. th- we are not going to literally lose the ability to, uh, you know, to play these games in some capacity, right? But especially for 3DS, well, I guess for Wii U as well, like, Hey, special guest, Haley McLean, community manager. Uh, make yourself at home. We're podcasting. You can grab a beer, grab a drink, whatever you need. Oh, amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but, like, for 3 and Wii U stuff, like, there's a lot of functionality that you would lose if you didn't have that basic hardware. Yeah, yeah. and I'm, I mean, I'm sure there will be someone making some funky device that is a, you know, an emulator, but also has 3D stuff. Like, someone will figure some of that out someday, I'm right, sure, if it hasn't yeah. already been done. But the... Um, the, the real crazy issue with it, this is something I've been just kind of like evangelizing on, on Twitter over the last couple of days, is uh, right now there's not even any like official legal way to deal with any of this that is that's reasonable at all. Like normally you'd think, okay, if a, if a Netflix is pulling a movie off of there or whatever, whatever, the Library of Congress can still have a copy, um, libraries in general can still have copies, they can rent them out to people, yeah. uh, same with books, and you know, like you don't have to literally walk into a library and grab a book, you can rent ebooks and you can rent movies and do all of that stuff. Um, can't do any of that for video games. So if a if an institution wanted to collect like 3ds games and they're like okay we're gonna have some eShop games and allow people to play them and whatever the only thing that you can do right now is go into a library they have to maintain their own 3ds with games downloaded on it and uh you know like play it there or maybe they'd let you rent it out or something and take it home with you but it's i mean it's it is not at all a reasonable path for like that that is literally the only legal path right now, and other than all, obviously owning it yourself. And the idea is the ESA is shutting it down, so there's no other legal path. So yeah, uh, basically <laughs> getting into copyright law here. Sure. Um, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, the DMCA, was written in a way that was like, oh, we don't really understand what the problems are going to be in the future. So every couple of years, we're going to let people kind of pitch like, all right, what what needs more exemptions? Like, what did we miss? What, right. um, and so the last round of that, um, there was a pretty big push for software and video games because it was like, OK, look, like you've, you've you know, kind of done this with music now and with uh, with movies and ebooks and stuff. But like video games and software, like there's no way for. Um, you know, this is totally unreasonable. You, you'd have to go into a library and, and play with it on site or let them rent it out to you. And, um, and the ESA uh, was kind of the opposition to that. And they were like, um, you know, oh, we, we support legitimate uh, preservation efforts, but, you know, there's still so much money in this. And, um, you know, we don't want to we don't want our clients to lose the ability to make money off of these things. And if you let libraries have video games, um, in a digital capacity, because they don't care if you have like a PS2 game in your library right, or whatever. Right. But if we let them have games digitally, libraries are just going to be arcades where people have fun, and uh, they're not going to go to. Yeah, <laughs> they're and we're our clients are not going to make money anymore because people are just going to go to the library and they go online to the to the library and, and have fun, and that's not that's not real. That's not legitimate. Um. So that's a, a big thing that my organization is trying to change this next round uh, by basically the big thing we're doing is proving how abysmal the state of uh, 
of availability, commercial availability is right now. I don't have the numbers yet and I don't want to get too like we're going to do a big uh you know slap everyone in the face with the numbers thing later but okay. it's it's like worse than silent film. It's like if the game was made before 2010, the odds of it being commercially available like from the rights holder or whoever is the current rights holder is very very low. Well, you all tweeted out just for like the 3DS and Wii U stuff in particular like Pokemon games what was the number again? It was like seventy-eight percent. Yeah, I, I can't remember the number off the top okay. of my head. But Are yeah, gone was, forever now. Well, I mean, so you know, gone forever is not exactly what we're dealing with. It's that you can't buy them legitimately, right? In any way. So, like, your options are secondary market piracy. That's it. Right. Um, right. And neither of those things are reasonable. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, hey, I'm sure you're sick of this question. What can we do, Kelsey? As gamers who just like a good old-fashioned push-mo every once in a while, like, other than just, I guess, buy what you can before those stores are shut down. I mean, I don't, and I don't even really want to advocate for that, because it just feels like rewarding Nintendo for, you know, for this. But, um, I think the biggest thing right now, so the ESA is arguing on behalf of all of their clients, which are, you know, people like Nintendo and Namco, like all these big, uh, you know, industry names that pay them to lobby in the best interest of the of the video game industry. I don't really believe that they all understand completely what the ESA is trying to lobby for right now. I don't even think they would all, like, at a company level, even at the high level, I don't even think they'd necessarily agree. Huh. You know, like, I don't think they know what library and institution laws and stuff are. Like, I don't think that's in their wheelhouse. So you would love to, like, interview, like... Uh, Doug Bowser or uh, yeah, Phil Spencer just to yeah. ask him that. Cause well, I cannot imagine Phil Spencer, if no. I explained the issue to him, he'd be like, yeah, we we just can't. Like, right. sorry, we're just going to have to lose these games because, right. you know, it, it's not arguing for, I mean, someday I would like to argue for, like, if you, you know, use it or lose it. Like, after <laughs> after 15 years, if you don't use it, it's it's free, you know? Yeah. But, um, but we're not quite there yet. That's like a, that's like step four or five, probably. Right. Um, but I can't imagine anyone would be like, hey, we just want, like, libraries and archives to be able to do this, like, to be able to actually preserve things and, and share them with people. And I can't imagine he'd be like, no. No way. Right. You know? Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> it's such a reasonable request. Yeah. Um, so, I feel good about this, uh, about winning this. I, I shouldn't, I probably shouldn't say that because that means I'm not going to. But, right. And I say I. Like, it is, it is mostly the Software Preservation Network's lawyers or the, the legal muscle behind this. I'm just, I'm just putting a study, helping put a study together to right. slap them with the numbers. And but. so the Wii U and 3 shutting down is just strange enough more ammo or just more of a. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the headline that was, um, you know, going around recently was that uh, the completionist uh, YouTuber yeah. bought every single game, and it was like twenty three thousand dollars, and it took him hundreds of hours and a whole you know team of people and everything. And the argument from that is basically like, look, this is the only way to do this right now. Does that seem reasonable? Right. Does that seem like something a library or archive is going to do, and then not even be able to really share it with people? Right. Like that is. 
that's insane. Right. Like, we just straight up won't preserve things because no one's got that kind of yeah. time, money, you know. There's a reason that his video is doing really well about it because yeah. it's an absurd yeah. thing to do. It is. It's like exactly. a David Blaine level challenge. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, Although and, I heard on the Friends for a Second podcast, isn't he donating it to... He's So he's donating it to the Video Game History Foundation. That doesn't mean it's the final home because I don't okay. know that we are going to be the people to figure out the controlled digital lending of... Uh, of you know emulated yeah. 3ds games like that's that might not be our official place of it but you know we're we're holding it and it's going to be pretty good ammo for this uh for this next hearing and also you know if and when it is uh you know they're like okay yeah you know that's reasonable we should we should let libraries uh you know rent out games and that sort of thing um then we have a provably legally clean rom set of all of that stuff mm. right like yeah it's i not a lawyer. There are fair use arguments for less cleanly uh, attained ROMs, but this is a, a very good thing to have to start from. Yeah. So, it's also right like on. Nintendo kind of drunkenly stepped into DLC in the 3DS era in a way that like makes it so you can't really... There are aspects of games there. like You can't get the Conquest Path of Fire Emblem without having yeah. the, the cart copy or like a digital copy and then download it as DLC. So at some point, you could just have that cart copy and just never be able to finish that third path. Yeah. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah, that is... Oh. Yuck. Rough times. Uh, <laughs> but hey, uh, you folks need to get out of here, right? Yep. yep. Okay, great. Um, we'll do a quick hot swap. Um, Haley, hi, welcome. <laughs> Come on in. Jump on in. Hi. I have to meet you still. Is that a, is that a Bulbasaur blazer? It is a Bulbasaur blazer. Oh, God, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Yes. Oh, my God. You were so on theme. <laughs> Uh, grab a seat. Make yourself at home. Uh, you all are good. Heading out. Enjoy the GDC awards. Bye. 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 Thank you. Uh, hey, while uh, Haley sits down, by the way, I'll let you two meet, I guess, before we get Hi, it's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Um, hey, this reminds me. Having Haley McLean, community manager, which, by the way, lean in. Closer to this mic, the better oh, off you okay. are. Um, reminds me of a certain fable I once heard about stamps.com ladies and gentlemen <laughs> uh kelsey true story not i brought up the idea of like hey stamps.com uh they want to want us to read ads for them on the podcast and you said easiest ad read of my life I use it every day every day well my business uses it every day i think really yeah okay wait give me i'm not even gonna look at these talking points bye folks bye, um, bye. i'm not even with the talking points tell me why over anything else they use stamps.com. It's just really, really convenient. Um, I don't, I, and I think I said this last time we had a stamps.com read, but like, yeah. I don't think people realize that you don't have to go to the post office and stand in line. Like, that is not, you can just get all of that done at home and then bring it and just drop it off and you don't have to wait in line to drop it off. You just like walk up to the counter and shove it at someone. And stamps.com, yeah, stamps.com makes it really easy. You <laughs> is just, that sweet? You just, Put in the address and uh, I. So Janet uses it for stamps, which right. I genuinely, as stupid as this sounds, didn't realize that that was part of what they did because I only ever use it for shipping. But right. it's just a really easy way to ship things. Oh, there you go. They want everybody to know that hey, 2023 is already well underway, Haley. Mm -hmm. So don't wait any longer to level up your small business and set it your year up for success. Go ahead of the competition by using stamps.com to mail and ship everything there. It's the one-stop shop for all your shipping and mailing needs. For over 25 years, the Stamps.com has been around. Wow. Uh, so set your business up for success. When you get started with Stamps.com today, you can sign up with a special promo code MINMAX, two ends, of course, for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click. By the way, now 
I'm podcasting right now, but I feel like I'm inside of a podcast right now. <laughs> Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code MINMAX. There is a link in the description for everybody as well to get a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. Stamps.com slash MINMAX with two M's. And thank you to Stamps.com for sponsoring the show. You free, see all that, Haley? Free postage is a nice... Is it Isn't nice? that nice? Yeah. I, I mean, sense. I'm thinking about the free scale. Because yeah. mm. if you're shipping packages, if you're doing anything other than letters, like... You need that. That's a good gift. No yeah. one wants to get on the scale, detract yeah, yeah. their yeah. weight, and then hold the package. <laughs> that is like that's the worst. just depressing. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, shout out to I'm 8-Bit for supporting MinMax for so long. They've been fantastic. They want everybody to know about Cozy Grove, the Nintendo Switch exclusive edition. You can pre-order this thing right now. It comes with a blind bag. Everybody loves those. Mm. Uh, containing a collectible enamel pin inspired by Cozy Grove's ghostly denizens. Leave it to chance, or you can collect all 28 adorable bears from Cozy Grove. There's an exclusive cover sheet by Naomi Gomez, and it's region-free, of course, but also, oh, you can get the Switch version, or you can get the PlayStation 5 version of Cozy Grove at iMateBit's wonderful online store. You can pre-order that if you're interested. Um, iMateBit has a whole store here at GDC. Have you been there yet? I, I bought three miles there. I love what'd, it. You, what'd you get? I got the Hitman like super limited edition 2000 press vinyl yeah. with the rubber ducky on the front. I'm obsessed with it. And I got the Steven Universe one, which I've been trying to get online for like every time I try to get it, it sell, sells out in like 10 seconds. So I, I saw it physical and like ran over. Oh, nice. And the Ocarina of Time one, because I've wanted that one for a long time too. That's nice. nice. Yeah, I yeah. feel like we're always screaming, we're like, I mean, but they're actually really cool. Check oh, out their store, awesome. please. But then like actually seeing a physical store with people it's scrambling so around and looking at all these cool items, it's great. So yeah. check out I am 8 bit, please, um, because they support the show. And you can use the promo code Shamrock Shake for how much off, Kelsey? Oh, is it 10% off? God damn it, you're a pro. 10% <laughs> off everything under $100. Thank you to iMateBit. Help support them. Um, we probably should mention that we're not giving away a, a hot gift. But on next week's episode, we'll be giving away the Sea of Thieves, yeah, sea of Thieves final soundtrack. Uh, thanks to iMateBit. So if you support us on Patreon, submit a question for us to answer on the show. We'll give away the Sea of Thieves thing. Thanks to them. Link in the description for all these fun things. Uh, hey, Haley. Oh. Hi. Nice of you to be here. Thank you for having me. I haven't seen you in years I in person. Guess so. Yeah, yeah. Like well, E3 2017, I saw you in person. Was the last really? time. Yeah, I think well, so. Well, when were you an intern again? What? 2016. 2016. And then I, the last trade show I did was E3 2017. Is your entire operation <laughs> uh, Game Informer intern? Don't tell anybody. <laughs> How else do you meet people? I don't know. It's like, it was amazing because all the interns were great, but it was definitely a case of like. You would cycle through like three interns for every like term. You'd be like, "Yeah, that person's great. That person's great. That person." You keep like Ooh, a mental roll. Like, people who no, are I'm saying they're all great. Heads. They're all great. They're all great. But it is like it's nice to have just like a roll of yeah. people, and they're also smart. And so many have moved on to Aww. the industry and all this stuff. And, yeah. I'm very biased, but my intern group, I'm still, like, very close friends yeah, with them. They're lovely. Yeah, I got to see a few of them, because I, I was a Game Informer for a month. Oh, that's it, right. Yeah. It was yeah. it was kind of fun, like, seeing the magazine and the website happening, and then also the interns happening. <laughs> the interns <laughs> happening. Uh, what are you doing at GC? I'm just going around, going to summits, networking with people. I've done, like, the speed networking stuff, where it's, like, Ooh. speed dating, and you literally, like... It's the same format where you like switch chairs and you just chat with people, and they're all devs, and you just get to like hear what they're working on. I did that like, once. I want to do that again. That sounds really. Where does it that happen? Uh, it like filled up in ten seconds. I barely got in. I was like the third last person that got to go in, but Weird. it was in the the south hall at the top where like 
it's kind of secluded up there. You don't really realize there's talks up there, but like the Kirby one was up there and then a couple other ones and then all the networking stuff's up there. But it's like really fun. Like I met so many, like like one person's a 2D artist, they move, the next person does like systems and I'm like, what the? They just get to, they just like pitch you what they're working on and wow. I just always like listen to it all. It's and cool. because you're an IP lawyer, are you taking notes for that or you think this is kind of beyond that? It's kind of nice just to learn like what their problems are. A lot of them were asking me questions about I'm a contractor. What rights do I have? Like Ooh. versus an employee, I got asked that like a ton today specifically because there's so many contractor jobs in the in the game space. Not so many in, like employment opportunities because right. then you have to pay the remit their taxes and do the EI yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So they're just like, but they're kind of treating me like an employee. What can I do? Like I got that question a lot what, today. What is the answer? Or is this a legal uh, gray area that you can't? No, get it's not a legal gray area. You kind of look at it in the totality of the circumstances. Where if they're treating you like an employee in a, in a few different ways you could probably argue you're an employee now like even though you have a contractor agreement argue to the courts you could potentially go to the court and they would say yep you're an employee pay them all the taxes you should have been <laughs> remitting from them the past few years if a lot of times it happens after they get let go and then they realize oh i was kind of employee they want their severance that like an employee would be entitled to but not right. a contractor so that's kind of when that might happen yeah i think one of the biggest like applause lines during the panel so far is during like a panel about writing they're talking about oh just feedback and including people and stuff and then they made a note like by the way if you're contracting out with writers that are not in-house like include them in the meeting yeah. oh really yeah, like, yeah. include your contractor like, like, no! contractors <laughs> okay, nice she take a beat she's like thank you right yeah. right I saw please, that one. please yeah <laughs> Uh, so you're just jumping around to different panels, right? Yeah, yeah. Outside of that? I tried to go as many as I could. Yeah. And then, like, especially today, they were so full. I couldn't, like, I barely got into, I went to the main stage Future of Play one, and I had to, like, wait in line for 45 minutes just to make sure I got this in. This was the Tim Sweeney one? No, this was three different developers from three different studios just talking about, like, one person talked about work from home and implementing it. Mm. Um, someone talked, and their demonstration was a game demo. And then you could use a QR code and enter it on your phone and like be in the demo while he was oh, presenting. That's cool. It was super cool. He was just talking about user generated content and then uh like diversity in like game spaces and like yeah. telling more stories like that was the third thing. But it was cool. I've yeah. never been in the main stage area. It was very like oh, wow, right. it's like the Oscars for games. <laughs> and by the way, this is weird, but I guess, you know, it's fast and loose, we're doing things live. But like the plan is, I think that Haley and I are going to record a bonus podcast right after this one, nice. and it's going to be us unpacking everything we learned from all the panels thus far. We're recording I've been taking this... notes. I took notes. Oh my god, I've taken way too many okay, notes good. too. So we did it last year. If you remember, Leo Vader and I unpacked everything we learned from the entire week at GDC. So we're doing that again. So uh, just a reminder: how much does it cost to go to GDC? It's like two thousand dollars to get right. these uh, to get these passes that allow you. So there's levels of it, like right. the, the ones that let you into all of the talks. Are like about two thousand dollars. Thankfully, media didn't have to deal with that. Yeah. Uh, so you can get all the knowledge that's worth two thousand dollars for five dollars <laughs> right by supporting us on Patreon, <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/minimax with two ends. So that'll be in the bonus podcast feed. So if you've ever wanted the time to jump in and learn what these developers are actually sharing out there and all of their best practices and all that stuff as filtered through my brain and Haley's brain, mm -hmm. you can unlock that right in your favorite podcast app. By the way, 
it's freaking me out to podcast without like a mic directly in front, in of, front of your mouth. I feel like everyone's like, oh, should I be right over here? I don't know where my head should be at any moment. Um, but yes, yeah, so that'll be up in that bonus podcast feed for people if you really want to dive into the real stuff of GDC, not this surface level. Good talks. I, like, I mean, this is my first GDC, so I can't like compare yeah. it, but I really like the talks I went to. Yeah. They're really good. Same here, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so you can unlock that again by supporting us on Patreon. Um, Kelsey, did you want to talk about Paranormasite? Paranormasite. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's a, um, so this is one that was not on my radar until I just saw, uh, Lena Rain, who's the composer for, uh, Celeste and some other things. And Chicory, yeah. Yeah, Chicory. Uh, she just posted, like, a thread about it, and I was like, this looks cool. I I went and downloaded it. It just came out, like, five days ago, and I hadn't heard about it. Um, but it is a, it's from, uh, Square Enix. It's, I think, the same team that worked on, um, The World Ends With You, or at the very least, it is the same character, uh, designer. Okay. From The World oh, Ends With You. Yeah. It is a horror visual novel slash puzzle, uh, like, very light puzzle, but, you know, um, visual novel that is set in 1980s Japan. Ooh. Um, and it's, it's a ghost story, basically. It's a big ghost mystery story with a bunch of different like characters and paths you kind of have to go through they 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 intersect and and kind of weave in and out a lot and you you know you might go through a path and realize that's not actually what happened at all and you do it again and it's a you know it's a different thing so it's a it's a very um the vibes are real good if you're into scary stuff i'm actually not really a horror person yeah um but i do i like horror content if it's not going to be fed to me in like a um, you know, jump scare you kind of way. Yeah. Um, for hours. This has got more than I, I thought I was going to have in the like, in the like jump scare thing. I mean, you'll, you know, it's got kind of the uh, ace attorney, you know, look around the room and look closer at things thing. And you might, you might find yourself turning around and, oh, there's a, okay. there's a dead lady's face in front of you, you know? But... They love using dead ladies' faces. In yeah. The that's, just, that's just good gaming, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like we've talked a lot, the, a lot on this podcast that, like, Square Enix has just been pumping out games, like, B and C tier games yeah. over the last three years. And, like, yeah. Paranormal site. Any time to breathe. No, like, I, have, I have not heard about this game I other than you. I yeah. like, I like, um, these kind of like I don't know what the exact genre is because it's visual novel, but it's got it's not just you know press buttons to advance, which right. most of them aren't. But like this has got a little bit of kind of puzzle solving and stuff in it too, and I really like that genre um, when I'm in the mood for a good story, and I totally was. Um, but it's uh, I don't know, like I would not have heard about it if not right. for seeing a tweet from someone completely unrelated to Square Enix. So. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like they're not they're not doing their job advertising this stuff at <laughs> yeah. all. Yeah, it's it's on Switch and Steam and Paranorma site. Paranorma site. The um, music direction, by the way, is incredible. Oh, really? Like it is some of my favorite video game music in a long time. Which is wow. Yeah. Cool. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's wow. Yeah. Very very like. It's both good and appropriate. You know. Okay. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, speaking of that, uh, I I still can't stop playing. Uh, theater rhythm mm-hmm. final curtain call like have you have you started playing it yet just a little bit okay but i played all the other theater rhythms so man it is just the greatest comfort food and i cannot put it down like credits have already rolled but like i need to keep going and to play every single song and then when you think you played every song out of the hundreds of final fantasy songs they've included in this thing 
then they're starting to trickle out the DLC. So they added oh, a bunch it's of like world. Chrono Trigger. Well, that's coming. That's, oh, that's going to be okay. like the Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross stuff. That's going to be huge. Oh, that's um, Gears <laughs> is coming later in the year. Um, Mitsuda's greatest hits. But then, uh, so now they have a bunch of stuff out of the gate. But then they just added uh, World Ends with You music, which I that's never fun. played those games. Yeah. But that music it's good is good music. It's yeah. extreme. <laughs> yeah, some of it's very emo, but it's it's good stuff. <laughs> Uh, but then they also added Live Alive music. Oh, that's awesome. So you can play, like, music rhythm for, like, Megalomania. Yeah, I can... The one that's not this. Megalovania, yeah. that is clearly it's the thing that inspired Megalovania. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but that is, like... I think that might surprise people, too, when we get to the two tens for 2023. But it's like, man, I have enjoyed that game. That's going to be on people's list, for sure. I think so. And I yeah. keep doing a gut check of, like, I know I like Final Fantasy, but there's plenty other Final Fantasy, like... Fan service games, like, I don't really care about. Like, the city, I don't really care about. The other theater rhythm games, like, I played, and I was like, ah, this is, this is a fine time. This is, I don't know if it's the Switch or what, but I just, it is some of the greatest comfort gaming I've had in a That's long nice. time. It's have just you the played best. the arcade versions of? No. Oh, okay. They're cool. Yeah. They, they have, they have machines. I mean, they have them if, uh, if you have a round one in your area, it's like a Japanese arcade that's kind of making its way over to the U.S. now. So there's one in Seattle, but, but they're all, there's a couple in Texas, you know. They're okay. they're not they're not just in the in the main the places. Hip states, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a cool machine. It's like I I really like um, digesting rhythm games on a machine for some reason. Like it's yeah, it just it feels right. Makes it more of an event. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. David Buster's guitar here. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Um, anything anybody wants to talk about before we wrap this sucker up? Oh. Haley, I know there's a lot probably in your mind. We got a whole bonus podcast, yeah. but anything that you probably already talked about Dredge, right? I'm really excited yeah. for Dredge. Ooh, okay. Turns yeah. out it's good. Yeah, uh, you should be. Well, excited it came about on my radar because of Jill, and I like was like, oh, what's this demo on Switch? And I played it, and like I'm normally not like a horror person either, but like, oh, I'm really excited. I don't yeah. want to like, overlap. It's probably already chatting. No, no, that's fine. I like, purposely went it. out to see and panicked to see like what would happen. <laughs> like I wanted to like make it happen. It's like some cool things that end up like actually being a little bit scary yeah, <laughs> yeah it turns out like, being in a tiny ship at night out at sea is inherently scary even from like the isometric perspective yeah i thought it wouldn't be because of that perspective but like yeah. an angler fish jumped out and like hit my boat at one point and i yep. legitimately flinched so yep that's, <laughs> yeah. that's fair that's fair uh now it's time for something we call get a load of this uh surprise Haley. get a load of this uh, you don't have to have anything. Okay, that's totally fine. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, did you have something? You know what? I'm going to go for it. I'm yeah. going to like, get a load of this. Uh, I was almost on a terrible, terrible reality TV show, and I'm so glad it didn't happen. Um, Hoarders. It, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, uh, it, get a load of this. This is what the title was. Uh, Ready Payer One, oh, which is excellent. just the worst excellent. thing I've ever heard. Um, it, you know, the way it was pitched to me originally, and I, I genuinely, you know, thought this could be kind of cool, was a, a sort of like Pawn Stars slash uh, American Pickers kind of thing, but for my game store, uh, Pink Gorilla Games, myself and my, my business partner, we're going to be on the show, and we know it's going to be a little hokey and stuff, but I was like, you know, this is a good opportunity to like, uh, even if they're staging some of this stuff, get some you know, unique pieces of video game history in there and, mm -hmm. like, explain video game history in, like, a TV way and, like, get it out to more people, get more people to care about video game history. I, I really, I was very naive. I really thought that was, uh, you know, how that could go because that was, yeah, they, they really... They really sold me that I was going to be able to do that on on this show in the, in the pitch meetings and stuff. So uh, what actually ended up coming out out of it is just this this terrible trailer that um, the other person in the trailer 
uh, is a very nice guy, but, uh, you know, completely uninvolved. Like, I'd never met him in my life, and he was a former gameplay counselor, Nintendo gameplay counselor, who was gonna drive around in a, in a DeLorean, in a power glove, and they just started stacking, like, 80s reference on 80s reference, and they, they made me dress like it was the 80s at one point, and I was like, I was born in 1994. <laughs> <laughs> so. Nobody else, dare I say, at the convention center even, was this close to being on a reality show? No. That's I think that's it's cool. not true. Well, maybe some weirdos here and there. Yeah. At least in this room, neither of us have ever been offered to be yeah, on a reality show. Yeah, it, it is. Show. It is officially, officially, completely dead at this point. I mean, it really has been for a couple of years at this point. But like, it was not. Uh, you know, we were still under under like an NDA, and like it was still Weird. in theory being shopped around, and uh, a okay. couple of networks had an interest in it. But you know. I know you're like a sophisticated person. I know that <laughs> in my heart of hearts. But did you have like that moment of like? This might be obnoxious. I might be selling my soul, but like, I guess I would make money. Only no, there's no money. There's, there's no money. There's, there's very little money. Um, only in the original, like what was sold, what was pitched to me, and what I was talking about sounded. You know, I don't really want to be on TV, but like that sounded like a good opportunity. Right. Like. Right. Um, and it could be kind of cool and it's and fun to share cool stuff with people. But right. yeah, once it started turning into, uh, you know, we drive around in DeLoreans and pretend it's the 80s and stuff in, like, this store that I run, you know? Like, we we run this store every right. day, and it hasn't... We don't dress up like it's the 80s while we just run a game store, so... Why is there driving involved? Like, were you picking up... It was, it was supposed to be, like, an American Pickers kind of thing. Like, oh. he was supposed to be the guy that, like, went out and found the cool finds oh, okay. and anyways the like pitch video um uh my business partner put online because just i don't know it's, it's dead now so I... so there's a link below if you want to see <laughs> this pitch uh it dodged a bullet but but i'm still kind of jealous like yeah. i i wish i think like the most we could ever strive to in our lives is like get an absurd offer like that yeah. and turn it down to be, be like, like no yeah that would be the coolest and that's basically <laughs> what kind of happened ultimately yeah i mean if i it got as the show started changing and stuff i definitely i i was i told them several times i was ready to walk away from it so <laughs> too many chefs in the kitchen kind of thing um i just the, i think seeing it, TV people see the world a little differently, and, like, mm. if they think 80s nostalgia is selling right now, then, like, that, by God, they're putting it in the show, and it doesn't really matter if it works or not, yeah. so... Weird. Uh, hey, get a load of this in the Discord channel, where people share this type of stuff all the time. Uh, Boolean sicker than your average posted in the channel uh, a tweet from Charlie Intel talking about how Call of Duty's domination mode has already been recreated in Fortnite's new creative mode, and it now includes Rust elements. Wow. So that seems ambitious. I'm curious to see where that Fortnite stuff goes in the future. I don't know. I want to be a Fortnite lawyer. I don't even Me, know how you would handle that. Well, and it's probably, hey, you want that sweet money from that reality TV show world. Oh, you wait, can become yeah. a Fortnite lawyer. Yeah, really? that's awesome. Oh, that's favorite. a good show. I, I would watch that. The Fortnite lawyer. <laughs> dunk, dunk, hell yeah. Like a Saul Goodman-esque character, but like a streamer maybe. Hello, are you listening, Hollywood? <laughs> And then by that, we didn't mean anybody in Hollywood right now. We will take your offers. Mm -hmm. um, hey, get a load of this. Uh, Silicon Era had an article that was recapping an interview that our dear friend Akihiro Hino from Level 5, the head of Level 5, gave. But we know him better as the creator of Overblood, um, the PlayStation series, of course. Um, but he said something that I, had no, I, never, I hadn't heard before. But apparently, um, KJ, how do you pronounce it? KJ Inafune? Inafune? Yeah, the Mega Man creator. 
um, and longtime producer, that apparently he's producing Fantasy Life, the new Fantasy Life from oh. Level 5. Oh, okay. He's getting back in a weird way. I had no idea that was a thing, but yeah, links below for all this fun stuff. Um, do you want to throw anything off the top of your head? You don't uh, have to. You don't have to. I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm not even looking at you. I'm I not saw you on the spot. a picture of an, a guitar or like an instrument on an escalator, and it got stuck on the top, and it destroyed the escalator. That was kind of cool. Like it was so long that it like hit the roof, and then it made the escalator like implode. Wait, so it's like Mission Impossible One, but instead of yeah. the guy getting impaled, like the elevator, the implodes? elevator imploded. Okay, that's good. Last tweet I saw. Okay, that sounds perfect. I'll find it. Um, let's see. That's it for this episode, this funky episode, I should say, of the Midnight Show podcast. Thank you so much for watching or listening and being patient with a different setup and stuff. Haley, thanks for yeah. coming into the hotel room. I know it's weird to open a hotel room door when people are podcasting in there, no, but thank you. I can actually hear you from the elevator. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's a bad <laughs> sign. Uh, but again, patreon.com slash midnight with two ends. If you want to unlock the bonus podcast, unpacking all of GDC's secrets, the secrets of the game developers. Also, uh, we have the travelogue up on Minimax's YouTube channel. Should be up there pretty soon, probably by the end of the weekend. I'll, I'll cut it together. And then there's going to be a bonus, super extended version of that travelogue available for people at that $10 tier, the Backstage Pass tier. So you have to jump up to that tier even just for one month. It'd be a good time to do it because you get to see all of Kelsey and I exploring um, an expo hall, including a bunch of other stuff. But we'll just air all of that for Backstage Pass people. So that's like, what was that? An hour of us wandering the hall? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, and then... It's a big have, hat. Oh, you wouldn't the, believe this big hat, hat, people. It's really a beautiful I'm not going to elaborate. Oh, you're, just gonna have to, cool. you're just going to have to join the Patreon. That's right. Heck of a hat. <laughs> uh, also, we have, most importantly, uh, The Deepest Dive on Resident Evil 4. That remake, that is happening with Sarah Pazorski and Jeff Fava and Kyle Hilliard and I. So you can help us create the best, most thorough discussion about Resident Evil 4 remake on the internet by jumping in at any tier on Patreon and submitting your thoughts for us to read during those discussions. Or again, at that $5 tier on Patreon, you can like the podcast version of The Deepest Dive on Resident Evil 4 remake and all the other bonus fun stuff as well, including an ad-free version of this podcast each and every week. And it comes a day early. Bah, 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 bah. Patreon exclusives. <laughs> I've run it through so many times in my head. Um, but uh, we are collecting your thoughts on Resident Evil 4 Remake on Sunday, March 26th, and it's covering chapters 1 through 6. So finish chapter 6. Jacob Geller assures me that these are shorter chapters than most. Uh, so whatever you get up to, maybe you don't finish chapter 6, but whatever you get up to from the opening of Resident Evil 4 Remake, uh, Sunday, March 26th, 26th, head over to patreon.com slash minimax2n, submit your comment over there, and then we'll read it during our discussion, which is going to be happening early in the week. All right. Thank you to our people at the Game Champion tier, the $50 tier over there on Patreon. You know who they are. Uh, Clement Zobel is the champion of Don't Starve Shipwrecked, and Maniac chose to be the champion of Half-Life Alex. officially the champion of Half-Life Alex. Very cool choice. And that is it for this episode. Haley, thank you for being here. Thank you. Let's podcast for a really long time after this. Hell yeah. Uh, Kelsey. I'm not gonna. I'm yeah. gonna leave. Oh, absolutely warranted. <laughs> That's totally fine. But nice to podcast with you in yeah, person. Yeah, hey. Yeah, first time. For sure. Come out to Minnesota sometime. Okay. Podcast, all right. Whatever the hell you want. Trek to... I don't know. Minnesota... I don't know. Another Trek to Shrek. Shrek 2. Uh, Shrek 2. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you next week. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Let's go.